Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined, as always, by Chris Floman. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the combine, maybe a little bit of a combine primer, if you will. Look, there's nothing better than watching a bunch of athletic freaks run around in their underwear in Indianapolis, and that's yet another year of it happening in that city. Remember, Chris, they were talking about possibly having it go into another location. Do you remember that in recent memory? I do. That that always kind of struck me as odd because Indy is a central location. Like it is just everyone can get there either equally easily or equally difficult if you're coming from like, I don't know, Maine or Southern California. But it, it doesn't really favor anyone unless you happen to be already in the Midwest, you, then you don't have to worry quite so much about travel. But also, they do a good job there. Like the the facilities are set up well. Everybody's got their like all the teams have their just everything's set, and it has been for a long time. I don't know why you would change it, other than of course money, which is well something the NFL is quite good at. The NFL is very good at generating money, but again, it is in Indianapolis. Everyone enjoy St. Elmo's and uh, the shrimp cocktail that they serve there, that it's like almost a point every time you go to the combine that you have to go and get that. But the combine does start on Monday, February 26th, and it runs through the week up until Monday, March 4th. The on-field workouts start, though, on Thursday, the 29th at 3 p.m. Eastern with the defensive line and the linebackers. And we're going to go over some of the guys who are possibly the top performers at the event. We'll probably do some of that at the end of or after the ad break, I should say. But we want to kind of start first talking about some of the exercises that are going to be performed there. Now, you have the 40-yard dash. Everyone knows what that's about. You're just running in a straight line. Is it as applicable to to speed in the NFL? I think it could be argued that it's not, but still, you train for this event, and, and everybody trains for it, and they're going to go out there, and they're going to put their best foot forward, and that's very important for defensive backs and wide receivers specifically. But in recent memory, Chris, man, we've had players go up there at the defensive line position, at the offensive line position, at, at, at all these positions, and they're just running incredibly fast 40-yard dashes, and it looks absolutely insane when you see a 300 and, I don't know, 25, 330-pound guy running about as fast as a 230-pound guy as well. It's, it's something that like we've seen recently with guys like Jordan Davis and, and these just absolute freaks of nature. Yeah, I was going to say the those Georgia defenders that came out a couple years ago, like I said, Jordan Davis... Um, I'd also have to throw Nolan Smith last year on that pile. Like the, 
just that crop of defenders to come out of Georgia, you had just massive human beings running faster than any human being should be able to run. Like I remember we were all kind of blown away when Dexter Lawrence ran his 40 and these guys have only gotten faster and there really is a certain spectacle to it. And I think that is one way people can just watch and enjoy the combine just for the experience just the spectacle of watching these absurdly athletic young men doing absurdly athletic things. But like you said, the, these drills do have drills, exercises, whatever they do have, you know, some value. And the 40 to me, isn't particularly important for defensive linemen, outside linebackers, but edge defenders, off-ball linebackers, yes. Defensive li- defensive backs, cornerback safeties, yes. Wide receivers, yes. But as far as like the guys who are going to have their hand in the dirt or rushing the passer, I'm really only interested in the first 10 yards because that can give you a pretty good idea of what their first step, their get-off, their explosiveness is like. Also, you kind of cross-reference that with their jumps, broad jump, vertical leap. And you can get an idea of who is who has the lower body explosiveness to be a dangerous pass rusher in the NFL. And to me, that's what I'm going to be watching. Now, obviously, like you said, they train for it. There are technique things that can be done to minimize their time or maximize their explosiveness in the jumps. But still, fast guys are going to run fast. Yes, the vertical and the and the um and the broad jump, those are all just explosive drills. And they're excellent for the edge rusher. But I'm really glad that you brought up the 10 yard split. Because that's one drill that or it's not a drill, it's just part of the 40 yard dash, but it's one it's one measurement that I don't feel like is discussed enough when, when you're talking about how fast an edge rusher or a defensive lineman's get off is. Cause that's what everything is. If you time the snap well, it's all about your get off. Cause the better get off you have, the more leverage and the more advantage you have at defeating your opponent, which sets you up to get these sacks in the NFL. If you look at a lot of the top edge rushers and and the top guys in the NFL who have that get off, that 10 yard split is something they typically thrived with as long, I mean, as well as those explosive testings. But we also have stuff like the three cone and the short shuttle, which is basically just agility drills. I think these things, they, they can be overanalyzed at times. I, mean, I think probably the most famous representative of, of that would be DK Metcalf, who ran a terrible three cone and then fell to the second round. And we know he's been one of the better wide receivers in the league. But still, if you get a cornerback or a wide receiver operating in the slot who has a very good three cone, something in the six, you know, sevens or something like that, you can tell like this player can just really move and is very shifty in space and can really. Uh, manipulate space by their movements. And and that's something that you really got to pay attention to for those two spe- uh, position groups, specifically the cornerback and the wide receiver when it comes to the three cone and short shuttle. Yeah. With, with those, you, you kind of can get a bit of a, a feeling for just how flexible and fluid their hips, their knees, their ankles are to allow them to change direction and accelerate in a new direction quickly and easily like the, if you're going to have a good three cone drill a good short shuttle 
you're not going to have a whole lot of wasted motion, wasted energy, and you need to have that kind of efficient movement if you're going to be a good slot receiver or a good cornerback, just kind of in general. You know, the, the guys who succeed at those positions typically have the, the ability to drop their hips to explode into in a new direction. And the three cone in particular kind of puts that on display, not as well as in the field drills, which we'll talk about, but it, it is a piece of the puzzle. I like these field drills too. I think there's so much you can glean from the field drills. There's nothing uh, quantitative about how they, t- it's just really eye test and how they look. And there's some guys who will go to this event and you could just see in their back pedal. You're like, oh, wow, that guy is just so smooth. They can just transition and flip their hips effortlessly and they don't pop up and lose absolutely no momentum. But I also think the pass rushing drills, like the hoop drill and things of that nature, you can really see body control and ankle flexion and, and how low a player can get to the ground while maintaining momentum. And I love the fact that they incorporated the hoop drill. I think it was probably within the last like five years or so. And now every time I see that, I'm like, I, I want to see how these defensive linemen and these edge rushers can bend around tight corners and how they really just maintain balance in doing so. Yeah, that to me might even be the most important drill. The most important thing any of these guys do at the combine is that hoop drill. Because, you know, you, you talk about the ability to bend around the edge, turn a tight corner, win high side, win with speed that can really disrupt an offense, force a quarterback off his spot to force him to try to navigate and flow within the pocket, change his internal clock. You know, the guy I always come back to with that ability is Yvonne Miller because just mm. his lower body flexibility and fluidity he could damn near get parallel to the ground and still keep his feet firmly planted in the turf not lose any contact with the turf which allows him to turn that corner and accelerate into the backfield or at the very least not lose speed off of his initial burst so if you can find somebody who has that great 10 yard split that good vertical and broad jump and can bend and run the hoop drill well, that is a guy you want to invest in because he has the tools. As long as he's coachable, he has the tools to be a good pass rusher. That's all we're looking for. And I'm trying to think last year, was there anybody who really stood out on the hoop drill. I remember Nolan Smith was the player, and you brought him up a little bit before, who kind of took the combine by storm with his 40-yard dash, and he was all pissed off, like, oh, I suck. Ah. And then it was like, actually, no, you ran like a 4-3-9, I think it was, or something. And I was like, ah, oh, never mind. I'm great. Ah. I remember uh, <laughs> DJ uh, Turner, too, from Michigan, the cornerback, ran like a 4-2-6 last year. A-Chan ran like a 4-3-2. So there was pure speed that was on display at last year's event, but I'm trying to remember uh, if there was like another edge rusher that really just kind of like stole the show. I seem to remember Will Anderson doing well. You know, I, I haven't gone back and rewatched that lately. I, I didn't watch it all that closely to start with because there was no chance he was going to fall to the Giants. But yeah, you know, he, from what I recall, he did do the various drills pretty darn well 
out there. So I, and, I pulled it up. Oh, I'm sorry to cut you oh, off. Go but, ahead. But I pulled it up and dude, it was your boy, Byron Young. That's right. Byron Young, he had a 38 inch vertical, an 11 foot broad jump. And then he ran, I think the second fastest 40 of all the edge rushers behind Nolan Smith. And I was like, oh man, I was Chris, you, you talked so much about Tennessee's Byron Young through the last year's process. Yep. And he had himself a pretty good rookie season. He did. He did. And, and I'm glad for that. But you know, we're going to talk a little bit now about the 2024 combine participants. But before we do that, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All righty, Chris. Is there going to be anybody down at the combine who is going to beat the bench press records? I believe the bench press record right now was this individual named Justin Ernest who had 51 reps in the 1999 NFL scouting combine. And then 2011, I remember this guy, Steven Paella, I think is how you say it. He had 49 reps. Everyone knows Larry Allen had like 43 back in 1994. But is there anybody in this year's draft class who might beat the bench press record? Like who, who would be the betting favorite? Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't be super surprised if it wasn't one of the one of the guys from Michigan just because their strength and conditioning department is it, it is definitely one of the very best in the country uh yeah maybe one of those two Texas defensive tackles Byron Murphy the second and Devondra Sweat just because yeah in their own way they're both freaks yeah Sweat's gigantic, dude. That guy is an absolute maniac. It's going to be another good event, though, uh, full of full of players to pay attention to. And and I look at the New York Giants, and I'm like, the New York Giants, look, we have one of the top picks in the draft. Once again, you know, great to be a New York Giants fan. And we have three picks in the first two rounds, what, four in the top 70 or something like that. So the Giants are sitting in a spot where they can add some serious contenders to their team, some serious players who can really help them transform this franchise that used to be really respected and, and has kind of fallen on bad luck over the last half decade or so. So who are some players that Giant fans should be paying attention to heading into this scouting combine? You know, the at least these first couple days, I am I'm not sure about the edge defenders, just the, the big names at the top. I, I don't know that the Giants are going to be able to invest a pick to get them and, and it be a good value. You know, the, this was something we were talking about before our previous show. We've talked about it a couple times. You know, these edge defenders at the top, they are very interesting, but I'm not sure any of them are the kind of dynamic top 10 talent that the Giants would have really super seriously consider at six overall. Like we're both fans of Jared verse. I have put my, the defensive end out of, out of Florida state. I've put my <laughs> bias out there. He is a former SUNY Albany, great Dane, just like me. Uh, that's about where the similarities end, but 
Jared versus a guy we both really like. He is a beastly, powerful edge defender. Uh, kind of reminds me of like a young Justin Tucker or a young Michael Strahan, honestly. But then you've also got Liatu Latu out of UCLA, Dallas Turner out of Alabama. Those guys, I think, are going to be good, fun to watch. But the two for the Giants, I'm I kind of have my eye on a little bit, potentially a little bit further down. The Chop Robinson out of Penn State and Chris Braswell out of Alabama. Yeah, Robinson is a little bit undersized. He he is going to draw some comparisons to Micah Parsons just because of a being a Penn State edge defender, similar size and frame. He might put on a similar kind of show at the combine this year, but he's also kind of fallen off the radar because he got hurt this year and his production just did not match what people were expecting from him just based on what he had done the previous year and also those athletic traits. But I definitely think those athletic traits are going to shine through this week at the combine. And then Braswell, he is opposite Dallas Turner for Alabama, and he is a freaks list player. He was, and I believe he ranked pretty high on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. I didn't see a whole lot of lateral agility and bend from him, but when he fires downhill, he is tough to stop. Have you seen the kid from Troy, Javon Solomon at all? Because he's somebody who I felt like was explosive and kind of bendy and somebody I'm curious to see exactly how he tests. I haven't gotten to him yet. You know, like right now I've been kind of concentrating on the interior defenders, offensive linemen, running backs. Uh, there are a few positions that I am, I don't dive into super deeply until after the combine, just because like we talked about in the first half, some of the numbers, the on field drills are more useful for those positions. And for me, it's a lot of the edge defenders and the defensive backs, which for folks that have been reading the scouting reports on big blue view, if you notice there haven't been any edge defenders or defensive backs yet, those are coming. Some of the guys who will be in this draft class who were on Bruce Feldman's freak list and like the top 10 was Marvin Harrison Jr., obviously the Ohio State wide receiver. Everyone's heard of him. And then the BYU tackle ranked third on Bruce Feldman's freak list. His name is Kingsley, what is it, Suamatea, I believe is how you say it. I believe that's correct, yes. Yeah, it's something like that. I'm not sure. But Chris Braswell was also on that list. So I wanted to say good job, as was Chop Robinson. So you're talking about some of the players that Chris has already kind of went through right here who are on that list, among other players who won't be in the draft. But Cooper DeGene, another uh, another player, another white cornerback from Iowa, the second year in a row with what Riley Moss from last year. He's looking like he could be the first cornerback selected, either him or uh, Nate Wiggins from Clemson or the kid from um, Alabama, whose name uh, Tyrion Arnold, I believe his name is. His name just slipped uh, yes. my uh, – and then uh, I think Mitchell could be in that conversation too, the, the kid from Toledo who had a really good senior bowl. So there are some freak athletes at the cornerback spot as well. Yeah, absolutely. And the Giants do need to find somebody to play opposite of Tay Banks. Maybe they could bring back a Dory Jackson, but yeah, you know, that I wouldn't put that down in stone or even ink at this point, just based on the giants. Well, the, their continuing 
cap constraints. I don't know if they have the cash on hand to bring back a Dory Jackson. And I'm not sure if you want to invest a long enough term deal in a Dory to really bring that cap number down to something manageable for them. So the draft could well be the well they go to once again for that, for that cornerback position. But this, like you were talking about, this is a good cornerback draft. Oh yeah. It's a fantastic cornerback draft. I mean, we mentioned Kenyon Mitchell. We mentioned Tyrion Arnold, Nate Wiggins, there's also Kool-Aid McKinstry also from Alabama. There is uh, Rockstraw from Missouri. Uh, I can't remember his first name. And then TJ Tampa from Iowa State. So th- there's there's just a lot of guys out there who the Giants could look for maybe in the second round if they don't go cornerback in the first round. I think the Giants are fascinating because I, I don't know about you, Chris. Like I don't know which direction they're leaning right now. Like If you told me they were going to trade up to secure a cornerback, I wouldn't be that shocked. If you told me they stayed put, possibly one of those quarter quarterback spell i wouldn't be shocked if they went tackle i wouldn't be shocked so they anything that they do i don't think would shock me at this point because they kind of have a lot of freaking needs on their roster and they have kind of this year where it's like is it going to be a rebuild year or is it kind of just like a dead year where you're kind of waiting till you can get away from this contract that you gave to daniel jones it's just it's a it's a nebulous situation it is and i think that there is a certain amount of freedom in there where they can do kind of whatever they want this year, and it will help the team in some way. Yeah, And this is something I think we can talk about more when we get to our offensive preview. But when it comes to the quarterback position, I think the perception and the early scouting on the 2025 class is going to weigh on them. That's That's a thing we have heard lately from folks connected within the NFL that teams are already not very high on next year's quarterback class. And that could well push like quarterbacks four, five, six this year up further than, you know, people are really expecting simply because QB one, two or three next year might not rank in the top five of this year's class. But that's something we can talk more about later. But just looking at the Giants and their team and the the various directions they can go in this draft, like you said, I don't think anything would be shocking or surprising. Just because of every direction they could go could help the team. And this is another thing we've talked about. This is going to be one hell of a draft. Like There are going to be a lot of very talented players on the board. I know, man. I'm excited for it. There are some players in this draft that might go at like 15, 20 that I think would have went in the top five of previous drafts. So it's going to be a fun ride. There's talented players. It's reshaping of the NFL. That's why I love the NFL draft, baby. Chris, anything else before we get out of here? No, I I, I think the the one or two guys to that we haven't talked about yet to kind of pay attention to are obvious, Brock Bowers out of... Georgia, and also the, I'm sorry about this, yeah, uh, Jatavian Sanders, I just wanted to Ah, double check the pronunciation of his name, the tight end from Texas, because the tight ends will work out with the linebackers, just the way things are shaking out this year, and I think those two guys might be the tight ends to watch with Brock Bowers, because he has been one of the best players in the country, basically since his freshman year. And 
if he played wide receiver, if he was maybe 10 pounds lighter and just played wide receiver, he would probably be in the conversation with Marvin Harrison Jr., Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, those guys in that strata of playmaker as a pass catcher. Yeah, I don't... That might be the one pick where I could see it, but that would surprise me for the Giants at six because he is that good, but also it's a tight end. (laughs) Yeah, going tight end with all the needs the Giants currently have on their roster... I, I personally wouldn't want that, and, and it's also a thing, and I think Daniel Jeremiah, I think it was floating around Giants Twitter, one of his comments on this, but this is something that we all kind of understood when the Giants selected Saquon Barkley second overall. When you take a, a, a tight end or a running back or, or a position in the top five, top ten, that player is automatically going to come into the league and be paid at the top of his position, so you're not even really getting a, uh, a, um, a value pick out of it, right? So... That's one reason why I wouldn't want to go in that direction, but primarily my reason would be the Giants need a lot of other stuff, <laughs> and there's a lot of good yeah. players to be selected. Yeah, I, hey. I wouldn't be opposed. I wouldn't be opposed to them drafting a tight end at some point, but maybe a like a fourth round pick. You know, if somebody like uh, Ben Sinnott out of Kansas mm. State, or maybe even Cade Stover out of Ohio State or A.J. Barner out of Michigan, if one of those guys happens to drop, I would kind of love it if the Giants went and got them because that would give them another complete, you know, a Y tight end to pair with Daniel Bellinger, you know, a guy who they could run a 12 personnel package and you wouldn't know which one was blocking and which one was going out in pass protection, or you could have both of them block and do so effectively as opposed to, you know, Darren Waller, who is when he's healthy, he's a dynamic athlete and he's a good receiver, but you also kind of know what you're getting with him. And that is he's going to be out running routes. Yes. Yes. That's what he will be doing. But Hey, everyone. want to thank you for joining the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please, if you have not done so already, can you subscribe, like, and comment on the podcast that does wonders for us? And also head on over to BigBlueView.com where you could check out all of our written content. Thank you, everyone, and have a lovely day.